Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. The Mile 40 podcast is back and we are close to closing out season four. Um, The episodes keep getting better and better. And today I am joined by Ben Watts. Ben was born in London, England in 1967. He was a student at the Sydney College of Arts from 1985 to 1990. He started his photographic career in Australia, first working as a photographer's assistant, but soon taking on commissions of of his own. He was shooting for Australian Elle and Vogue, amongst others. Fascinated by American hip-hop culture, he came to New York in 1990, started documenting urban youth hitting the streets and clubs of the city in his attempt to capture his subjects on film. He moved to New York in 90 and has since shot advertising campaigns for Nike, Jockey, Polo, Ralph Lauren, and a list that can go on and on and on. Watts has contributed to several group exhibitions in New York, including art and photography. He lives and works in New York. Ben, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's a it's a pleasure. And that was, whoa, you just gave me a history lesson on myself. So <laughs> I've forgotten um, half of that stuff, but that, that sounds pretty cool. The way you put it, anyway, you should be my agent. I love that, and 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 for the record, you know, we talked about this before we hopped on. Um, you know, I was doing my homework, and I, I saw your Wikipedia page, and I, you know, I was trying to com- combine the best of both worlds and figured what would be the most riveting for the audience, but. Uh, note to the audience, actually, uh, Ben and I have a uh, connection. Uh, we both share the same barber, and that barber happens to have been on the show earlier on in, in season one. Uh, so check out Devin's episode, and, and that was one of the reasons you and I uh, were connected. Um, but let's uh, let's dive into this a little bit. Um, you're you're clearly well traveled. Um, and I want to talk about the earlier years in life uh, in London, um, and and kind of what kicked things off for you. Yeah, I was I was living in in London and then North Wales and then back to back to London, um, and on the outskirts of London, like suburban on the on the on the commuter belt. Uh, my mother was, at, uh, my grandmother was Australian, and at one stage had um, lived in Australia for part of her formative, you know, when she was a very young child, so, and um, she she sort of toyed around with the I will played with the idea of um, immigrating to Australia and taking the family there. Uh, she she did a, a, a test run, went out, checked it out, and came back and said, we're moving to Australia. Uh, it was then me, my sister, and my then stepfather. And my mum had brought us up, you know, for a long time just on her own and then with the, with, with the help of my stepfather. And we, all four of us moved out to Australia, and it really was – uh, an eye-opening experience and it was a great opportunity you know it's a it it, it is and and was very much then a, a land of optimism and sort of you know for, for for someone coming from like from england it was it was just magical i've got i've got to say it was really mad very different as you can imagine from um 
sort of the the English culture and, and definitely coming from London and uh, from that aspect, you know, it was it was eye opening and it, it, I got to say I've got nothing but incredibly warm and um, warm memories of the place. So how how old were you when you moved? I moved there at the age of 15, which was, you know, I had a lot of friends and I was starting to get my independence and go out a bit in, in London and stuff. And I was enjoying it, but I just would never have been the person I am now had I have not gone to Australia. And, and I've got a lot of friends in the UK that they're doing very well. And then other people that are very talented, but haven't sort of um, progressed, you know, with the talents that they have because 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 of the, uh, the 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 level of optimism that they were exposed to or for one reason or another that's the only way i can look at it you know and and perhaps that's not the right right lens to see it through but i feel like just going to australia for those 10 years of of sort of that sort of teen to young adult really sort of put me in a sort of a colorful world where where opportunity was was something to be taken and 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 and, and your your senses weren't dulled and not that they are there because i think that's discrediting the uk but i just feel like i was you you know i've become used to it and i just would have taken the same perhaps the same path but moving to australia definitely chopped it up it All definitely right. did it, it awoke something you know it definitely awoke some something subconsciously and i remember one of my college lecturers just saying yeah you're you know you've tr you, you came here you traveled it it, it it inspired you and and you know that was someone telling me about me and i didn't think much of it at the time but it's true you know sometimes you takes another person from the outside to look at you on the inside and 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 tell you what what's going on you know absolutely whereabouts in australia were you well i moved to sydney and I don't know if you've ever been to Sydney, Australia, but, and then it was back in the, um, I'm trying to remember whether it's the seventies, late seventies or eighties, early eighties. No, it was maybe the early eighties. Maybe I'm, yeah, or maybe it was, but it was very different from what it is now. And it was just, everything was very small and it was, you know, beach culture and the weather was warm. It was sunny. And I, I sort of attended a, a boys boarding school that was you know it was pretty harsh harsh place and which was great because i had discipline and i had routine and structure which are definitely good good things to have um but then coming to uh, australia where things were like co-ed and there was the beach and, and and you know the ocean and just it was just it was like something out i looked inside in encyclopedias you know as a kid and 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 I'd see places like Hawaii and I'd see places like Australia with all these exotic animals and insects and landscapes and stuff. And I'd be like, wow, imagine going to live in some somewhere like that. And then, you know, you know what, fast forward eight years, I was there and it was real. And just it, your head explodes. Now, I don't want to skip steps here, but I know you spend a lot of your time here you know, in New York, out east, in in Montauk, is that the closest yeah. you get to your 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 beach roots? Yeah, it is, and and 
it that I mean, New York City is the best city in the world, hands down. But you're you're getting that from a very biased person. Yeah. <laughs> you can argue. I'll, I'll look you in the eye and argue all day that it is, you know, and give you a thousand and one reasons why. You can't bring anything to the argument that would convince me otherwise. Um, but uh, that, yeah, of course, the beaches aren't comparable to the beaches in yeah. Sydney. But when you when you're driving or catching a train from the best city in the world, hey, wait, what else? Name me another city in the world that's got beaches like like New York, where you can get on, get in a car or drive. You got to fly everywhere else. I love it. I love it. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, y- your family life growing up. I guess during those ten years in Australia, uh, yeah. You know, you said you moved there with your mother, your sister, and your stepdad. Um, yeah, yeah. Was life um, typical for you, or you know, was there anything to your family life? Um, no, it was very time? untypical, actually. But it was it was amazing. Like my mum was uh, involved in the the film industry, doing like props and wardrobe, which was very inspiring. And she used to buy magazines like The Face and Elle, and you know, like it said, so we always had that sort of creative inspiration around us. My stepdad was in a band, so that we we had that it was that we it was we was you know they were young creatives but it was definitely living kind of you know what, what i'd describe as check to check which was you know not something at a person at a young age really had a great sort of mindset of but but it, I, I had an incredible upbringing i got and, and i wouldn't have it any other way and and i'm i am who i am because of that and my sister is who she is because of that we were exposed to you know, very sort of creative, broad-minded sort of um, attitudes that that definitely helped uh, inspire and um, sort of push us in the right direction. You know, I think that's, you know, really unique and special. A lot of times you find creative people coming out uh, of families who uh, either um, you know, maybe one of the parents had, you know, the creative element or right. neither of them had it. And then you right. know, there's a child in rebellion trying to find it. But yeah, yeah. here you are coming out of a family that was purely creative. Was right. there any period in your life where maybe, you know, it was kind of reversed in the sense that you felt like you were missing maybe an analytical side or uh, a, a portion of you, um, you know, kind of wondered um, about what it was like to not necessarily think with that side of the brain first. I, I think that's really interesting because uh, I, I don't know that I've spoken to, to many people that you know were influenced so heavily from the creative side. Yeah, no, th- and that's, yeah, this is a good conversation to have actually, because yeah, sure, definitely. Um, there, there were times where I wish, like, oh, why isn't my mum just a normal mum that can do my laundry for me and make, you know, like, make sure I, I had, you know, this evening meal or this, that, or the other. But I would gladly trade that off for what I had. And you know what? Growing up in a small village outside London, in the the town of Shoreham, I had the first of all, I had the name Ben and my sister had the name Naomi, which was different back then because everybody was named uh Matthew, Paul, John, you know, like they were all every basically people picked a name from the Bible. Well, our names came from the Bible, but the old the old testament, you know. Um 
So that was a bit different, having a different name. Then my, we didn't have, our dad wasn't around and then he later passed away. So I was, you know, that was already, I was already different. So it was, I, I got used to that, you know, and uh, I often wished, oh, why can't I just be like um, Mark or, you know, or why couldn't my name be Simon or so, you know, like, which, which are great names too. And, but later on when I grew into it, I'm like, you know, well, I'm glad that that happened. And I'm glad I was this way because that, that, you know, that, that inspired me to, uh, you know, I already knew that in certain ways I didn't fit in. And sometimes I wished I did, but I was happy not fitting in, you know, and, and it, it, it just, it compelled me to be, to transcend. And, and then the boarding school that I went to was a school for, um, a government subsidized boarding school that gave um, single parent families good opportunity, you know, to have a, a, a prep school education. So it's a, 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 we, it was a great school called Wolverston Hall, but it was, um, it was, it was a uh, London in a, in a London education authorities um, experiment school where they took kids, you know, single parent families and other kids that didn't fit in in other schools um, to, to give them a prep school experience. And so we were there in that, in that school and everybody, all my friends from that school that I'm still friends with now, we have the capability, even though we didn't necessarily fit in in certain areas, but we, we were able to transcend those boundaries, whether they be economic, cultural, or social, you know, I could walk into a room and I can be perfectly comfortable you know, knowing that I'm able to contribute on some level where someone will appreciate it and not going in there to try and impress anybody, but also not going in there feeling uh, sort of left out and intimidated, yeah. you know, as, as nobody ever should, you know, um, but definitely to go back to your question, those, that sort of upbringing and being in, engaged in the, uh, or enrolled in that sort of program definitely helps you, you know. Awesome. definitely um you, you become interested and interesting yeah no absolutely um and and i think that's such an important part of of what shaped you clearly um with regards to just kind of educating the audience on um how schooling works in australia you know did, did you go to you know regular university did you have to declare yeah, a so when major? I went to australia i was also i was it was like being let out let off the leash because i've come from a school where we have it's a boarding school high discipline school school on saturday to 12 o'clock assembly church on sunday you know so there was never a day that was a full pupil's day you know there was always some school curriculum and you know it was very regimented and but you know which is good for me and and good for everybody all people in attendance because everybody needed that and and then i get to australia and all of a sudden it's i'm in this place that's sunny there's the beach there's other people that wouldn't be at my school because it was a boys school only you know and it, this is like imagine that man i just got <laughs> like jetted to another planet and huh like this is great and people were friendly and the first thing they did was smile and and uh you know they were interested in me because i came from somewhere else and, and that was great i was like a feeling very uh 
very proud of myself when I arrived there. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you were like a, a, a local celebrity. Um, Not necessarily in my own mind. Yeah. yeah. But that's good enough. But that's what matters. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what, yeah. what matters is what's going on up in your own mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's great. So, um, you know, at, at what point um, did you kind of start, you know, narrowing in on your path? And actually, before we get there, are you the older or younger sibling? Uh, I'm, I'm the older. You're the older. Months. Yeah, yeah. And, and did your sister get started in her career, um, you know, around the same time, or was she kind of always yeah, no, down her path? Yeah, she was. She was getting involved doing like TV commercials and stuff as as we sort of got into the sort of high teens, uh, early twenties. You know, right. so so we were. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't on the same trajectory, obviously, but I I, I was. You know, not unsure of what business I wanted to get into, but, but I did go to college and my stepfather, very thankfully, and I, I don't have communication with him anymore, which is very sad. But one thing he did for me that I'm endlessly thank, thankful for, you know, forever is he filled out the applications and applied me to a great college that I got into, surprisingly got into. And that would, you know, that really lit the fire under me and, and, you know, shape me into the person that I am today. And I've, I've got him for feeling it out and the, the people that the lecturers at that college and the, that curriculum to be thankful for, you know? Got it. No, and I asked that question about who's the older one, because I'm, I was trying to figure out how much you influenced each other, um, towards your individual creative paths. Um, was well, there any alignment? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was subconsciously. A lot of that's got to do with my mom and stuff. Like I said, having being in the um, in the in in the business of uh, yeah. sort of TV and and film and stuff, so that, that she she probably was pretty pretty influenced. We both had our separate friends and stuff. So got it. And and so it you know based on the bio, you started your own career shortly after university. Yeah, well, I actually started it while I was in university because um, they did have, you know, the use of a studio and lighting. And and I, I'd already decided, even though I, I um, graduated with a degree in, in what we call visual communications, you know, and um, it was a great it was a it was a great degree to do because it was at one that I, I see it was very mechanical and you could actually apply it to a profession after graduating and even though it wasn't a, um, a photography course it, it one of the course one of the electives was photography and i solely focused on that addictively so and once once it grasped me which it took a second and um i remember my lecturers saying well this is not a photography course and of course i'd agree with them but it wasn't I, I I was at liberty to uh, approach each assignment or, or stage using photography as my tool of visual communication, you know, and um, which I did. And when I graduated, I had definitely come from a design um, sort of visual communication background, but was very well schooled in the world of photography in in the, in the career of photography. Not you know. In those early stages, you know, I wouldn't say very well schooled professionally because I didn't know what I was doing, but 
I, I had a, I had a good grasp on it and I was ready to come go out and assist people and take on jobs, small assignments at college. I was working with like record labels and having people come down to the college studio and using the facilities, you know, there's a lot of sort of public state facilities and, and sort of college facilities that, that are underused, you know, and at, at our college, the, the photo studio was absolutely one of them. So I made good use of it. I love Very that. good use of it. Do you think of yourself more as a, a photographer or an artist? Uh, as your- absolutely a photographer. I, I, I wouldn't be as pretentious as to label myself an artist. If someone else wants to call me that, I'm fine with it. But I'm not part of this culture that uh, runs out, or that, 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 that would do that because it's just not part of my DNA. I'm very ground. I, I'm, you know, I am who I am and who someone decides to judge me as that's who I am to them. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to push sort of any, anything in front of my name to, uh, sort of, uh, you know, puff up, puff myself up creatively. I'm, I'm very confident in what I'm capable of. And, uh, when, when asked, uh, I, I will yeah. produce what what's required. Understood. And, and, you know, that, that's such a, Special answer and, and thank you for that. I mean, I'm I'm looking at just kind of your 30 plus years of work right now. Uh, right. And to hear you kind of answer that question is extremely humbling. And and uh, um it shows that you know you love what you do day in and day out. Um and so uh my natural next question is um, you know, how would you compare the man behind the lens? 30 years ago to the man behind the lens today. You know, how has your approach to uh you know this this passion kind of evolved? Well, no, that, that's a good question because I often ask that of myself too, you know. Um but the main thing is is the passion is still there because if it wasn't I wouldn't show up because it's really important to be inspired and passionate about what you do in any field because it's the one sort of commodity that's noticeable and doesn't change it can't be changed and it can't be denied either no one if you're and it's not something you go out to prove to someone and then sort of use it as some sort of marketing sort of hook it, it but people respect it you know they notice it they smell it they feel it and they see it you know with all their senses they're able to gauge someone's passion and and in what they do and it's it's uh it it, it is it's very important and it de- definitely head to toe it still exists in me 100% the way i i go about things has absolutely changed but that key the the ability and the passion are two noticeable things that clients or sub subjects or anyone you're around will notice and respect, you know, regardless of whether they like you or not, regardless of any inhibitions or anything that they know about you or, or uh, are later going to find out about you or that those two things, if they notice that people respect that and that will stand you in good stead. For more for 30 years and beyond you know yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's just so much grounding in in, in that perspective. Um, and it's clear in the consistency of, of the work that you've put forth. Oh, thank you, Brad. But, you know, obviously when we when I was starting out, there was some excitement where I'd get sort of like, you know, I'd, I, 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 there would be moments where I'd take a break and I was kind of like, you could feel the adrenaline, you know, that kind of thing. Sometimes nowadays I get that too, but maybe not with the same amount of frequency. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, what's happened to that? Am I losing it? Why am I feeling like that? Like I've done drunk sort of six cups of coffee in a row because you know when you do something you love you definitely get that ad- adrenaline rush you know and um, get those serotonin kind of releases and stuff and i'm still getting them but perhaps because i'm old in an older body they're not as noticeable as they might have been when i was younger but definitely the passion's still there and oh. you know sometimes for any other people out there you know you you sometimes you might have to explain yourself like please excuse you know please don't mistake my passion for um for uh you know sometimes you come on a little bit i'll come on like you know perhaps a little bit forward or a bit frank with someone i'm like just want to let you know please don't you know uh mistake my passion for rudeness because i'm not being rude i just have to it's for that it would be a disservice if I did not let you know that this was how I, how we will achieve the best result, you know, and people get yeah. that. Cause you're invested. Get, you're very yeah. invested in, in the final product because you know, this is, this is your, this is your passion. And, and, and right. I think that's transparent and no, I, I totally understand that. I want to dive in a little bit now with regards to the transition from Australia to New York. I mean, look, 30, right plus years in this career, I have to imagine there were some some down moments here. Uh, yeah. or some moments where things maybe didn't go according to plan. So let's talk about what brought you to New York. Um, and let's talk about, um, you know, the trajectory from there. Well, so what brought me to New York, the, the first thing that I, I, I sort of managed to accomplish, so, you know, some pretty good things in australia with my career earlier on and i i i thought you know it, it, it's it's good now's the time to go you know like anything you know like any sort of sport or anything when you when you're at your your moment it's time to transition i can't stay here too too long overstay you know where, where the only I, I by by no means was i top top but i definitely sort of got close to the top and it was time to go i was young I was able and I was willing, you know, so I thought I'm going to go to Australia and I'm going to leave Australia. I'm going to go to, um, go to New York. And I did. And it was, it was, it was, it was scary and it was competitive and, uh, and, and, and the, the budget was very mo- extremely modest with what I'd managed to save. But, and, and, and there was, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty. I, I had, managed to secure an agent which i needed for the sponsor you know to get that o1 visa and, and they had thought i was a messenger you know when i'd come in and then when i came to pick up my book they were like oh we thought you were the messenger you the photographer i'm like yeah i'm a photographer and they're like yeah well let, let's you know let's sit down and have a, a talk and we sat down we talk and this is in 1993 i think i made the move in 94 or maybe it's 94 and then i made the move in 95 and 
that they that I'd done the paperwork and I got the lawyer and, and got got the the visa and I left, you know, and I have my little bit of savings and you know it took me a moment before I had a job. Now it wasn't it I, I wouldn't say it was a low low, you know, because it there was that level that was that optimism that I talked about with uh, with um, moving to Australia and that Australian sort of. Uh, vibe even though i was english that i i i'd sort of in, inherit you know had come on to me and i'd learn and so i so i was patient but i didn't have much work i use the expression couldn't get arrested and um didn't have much going and so it was it, it was a little bit you know it was a bit frightening but one thing's for sure i wasn't gonna you know pack my bags and go back to australia and and not that that would have been a bad option you know that would have been a beautiful thing to do but I, I came here on a mission, and it's like things take a long time in New York. But the the the, the risk is is um, is wide, but the, the 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 reward is huge, you know. And and self reward as well as other reward, you know. If you can if you can do well, if you they, they, they don't make songs. If you can make it in London, you can make it. In, <laughs> I think we might have to use I think we might have to use that clip right there. Yeah. Frank Sinatra to James. You know what I mean? Like all these cliches exist for a reason. It's yeah. a weird thing, but they bloody do. And as you get older, you're like, I'm oh, Rolling Stone, Galvis, no moss, and any other. It's true. The quickest my one of my favorite sayings in life and um, to talk about adversity is a quote from winston churchill the quickest way to get through hell is to keep on walking and it's like that rolling stone gathers up you just keep moving even if you're moving in the wrong direction you might walk your way walk yourself around four or five circles but as long as you're moving you are still a moving object that is going somewhere you know not just sitting slumping on a couch or doing nothing, remaining static and doing nothing about this situation. So I was in a little bit of one of those, you know, I'm not going to like hype it up as a, as a, as an adverse situation because people go through way, way more. And I, it, it was a down moment, but I, I knew that something was going to come, become of it. And the agency that I was with was a very honest boutique agency that were absolutely great. And they were great at talking to me and they were great at pushing me. And eventually things came through and they happened. The The tough times for me came early in life when my father died and then later in life when, when I went through a, a divorce and I got, you know, and, and, you know, got into things where you taste success and then it gets taken away from you and then you come back. Those are the, that's, for someone that had never tasted anything fantastic, to have it take ripped off the plate, it didn't mean much to me because I didn't really know yeah. what it what it tasted like anyway. So I, it was foreign and, and like I wasn't missing anything because I never had anything, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, that that's very helpful. I mean, to the level that you're comfortable speaking about it. Um, let's talk about that. You know, having everything ripped away and then having to build it back up. Um, you know, would love to kind of walk the well, audience through that part a little bit. If, well, if it's just. You know, and, and it isn't everything being ripped away necessarily, but like you know, we're we're all 
we're all humans and and then you have your professional life and you have your personal life and and things you know they don't necessarily go hand in hand and and one you could be doing amazing in and the other you could be doing horribly in and vice versa but it's good to make everything rel- you know to take everything into account and um you know for me weirdly enough my personal life was in the toilet but my professional life really started to bloom but because my personal life had sort of gone into a, a situation where say, I was going through a divorce um it, it didn't it didn't make me appreciate what I you know I wasn't there to have the the right the the right outlook on life to sort of go wow this is great because I, I my 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 senses were were um numb um now you get into situations you know when you're not feeling great where you get that and then this is like sh- sharing a bit but you know like say with my that that first situation that happened when i went through a divorce i started experiencing or i didn't know what it was at the time and i remember being on set um and actually at dinner with a client that was very important and i had this all of it i'm sitting in a chair and it has a like it's a wingback chair and all of a sudden i shrank and the chair grew bigger and I, my heart started pounding and I'm like, oh my God, what's happening to me? Uh, I, I felt like I was small and like an ant. And and I went in the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm just like, I felt like I was um, having a heart attack or something. What I was actually having was a panic attack, you know, and I, an anxiety attack. And I didn't know what it was. So it was completely foreign to me. Mm. And I, 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 sort of, um, I thought it was an, a food allergy or something. So I took a Benadryl. The producer gave me a Benadryl. I said, I have to go. I'm not feeling great. You know, and everyone else was engaged in conversation too. I, I managed to slip out. I got in the taxi and I went back to the hotel. Then I started freaking out on this cab driver, thinking that he was trying to take me somewhere weird, you know, like, and, you know, like he wasn't, you know, I was going to get kidnapped. And so I got into an aggressive altercation, you know, and, um, and it was, and he was totally innocent. It was all going on in my mind. And, and, I started having these weird sort of um, anxiety attacks that I, I had no idea what they were. But first, it, it was important to identify what they were for me to then understand how to uh, learn the tools to um, prevent them from happening. And I have no problem with them anymore. Like I couldn't go through the Midtown Tunnel, you know. If I went through the Midtown Tunnel, I'd start freaking out. Mm. Like If I'd start driving my car, I'd think, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to. Oh, God, <laughs> what's going yeah. on? And it would be, I'd started trying to, you know, uh, go, I'd take the bridge because I couldn't take the tunnel. Now I'd go through the tunnel, no problem. I couldn't go in the subway, stuff like that. So that was all triggered by sort of personal, yeah, personal situations that were going on in my life. But meanwhile, the professional life was going great. But this personal baggage, if I'd have dragged it into my professional life, it could have really messed up. I hid it. And, um, when I stepped up to the lens, it disappeared. I thought, God, the next day I had to go to work, you know, because we were down in Palm yeah. Beach working. And um, I thought, what am I going to do, man? If, I, if this if this comes on me, if this jumps on my back again while I'm today, I'm not going to feel good. And and I, and I get out and everything's cool. And then I start feeling a bit shaky. And I'll go up to the lens to take a picture, start focusing. Back then it was film and you had to manually focus. Everything was cool because my mind was distracted and, focus as long as i was working not a problem it's just at, at night the the uh 
the demons came out, you know, and, and that, uh, when I was unoccupied, the demons yeah. came and those did that, uh, that's something that goes on with a lot of people. I, I, I hear about it. I'm like, shit, I went there, you know, and I, I did get, and that, I managed to nip it in the bud and I'm very thankful of that. And I don't have a problem with it now, but it definitely exists. And, and, it, and one, I spoke about it with one of my friends and he'd gone through, and I actually worked for him and he'd gone through things and he was like, dude, I have medication, you know, and I never take it, but I just have it there and I, and I'll put it in my hand, but just knowing it's there can prevent me from just knowing that I have a, a, a safety thing. Right. But I learned like the cognitive thinking, how to reset your mind, sort of little basic, basic uh, plays to do to try to, 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 um, pull yourself out of it before you get in too deep. But th th those sort those sort of things, th th that was that was not a great time for me. And I pulled it back together and, you know, pe people go through things, you know, they go through things. Your, your, your life will be broken into three three series, you know. You, you, go, you go like this, you go like this. Everybody has three stages, I feel like, and some have – 10 and some have six and some yeah. have but you get you always have three yeah no i mean thank you so much for for going into detail on that i mean this has been a theme on the podcast before about um the synchrony be between your personal life and your professional life uh right. and um you know it's not the first time that someone has come on the show and and said something to the tune of my career was doing incredible, but my personal life was not. And, you know, to the, to the extent of, you know, I, I can cultivate the best relationships when I'm on the job, but I can't handle my own personal relationships outside of the job and, and keep them uh, afloat. Um, right. What potential guidance or advice would you have for someone who is maybe, you know, you earlier on in your career, um, you know, who hasn't really hit that element yet of having to juggle both or maybe they are maybe just exploring their own you know maybe they're dating at this point and trying to figure out you know who, you know who their future partner might be how, right. how do you help them juggle that i i don't know that you know i i always say i can only share opinions or experiences that i've had and i'm not by any means this the star standard of advice absolutely yeah. not but you, it, it is important to have uh, what, what let's call it family or personal life. It is important. And, and I didn't realize that until that first stage, till it, it went. And then, then it came back again. And I'm in an amazing relationship now, but yeah. it is very important. It's almost like the foundation that you have, you know, and I don't want to, cause there are people out there that, you know that do very well in in in, uh, in in with a sort of single plan, you know. And so, but for me, it it, it was it was you know I I did I did you do need that you know you do you you can achieve a lot on your own, but teams do it better. And whether that's the family team or the relationship team or you definitely, everybody needs something, you know, whether it's a family member or, a, you know, someone to talk to and so, so, some sort of foundation to come back to, even if it's pets and stuff, you know, there's a, yeah. there's, we're living in a city, you know, we share the sidewalk with thousands of people each day. 
who knows what goes what goes on in their head who knows that story that they have to tell you know who knows where they go but what, what once they turn their apartment key where who's in there with like what's going on with them in their personal life or just how lonely or how how uh entertained they are you know it's it's a bizarre thing like new york is a very it's it's a very powerful city with a lot of people and it's very comforting for some but it's also can be the goddamn most lo- loneliest place in the world man come on a good day in new york is better than any day you could ever imagine a bad day in new york is worse than any day you could imagine you, you're giving me you're giving me goosebumps right now like if you were yeah. to see this because you're right this city will break you but it will but it will also build you back up uh and it, when it breaks you it'll break you to your core um and um you know you're you're absolutely right about that and um you know i i really appreciate you know all this context because this is hitting home with regards to what mile 40 is all about. Um, right. and the, the special part of your story is that in many ways it's extremely relatable, uh, to the masses. And, and, and so, um, I want to say thank you for that. If you know me, you know that I like to look good and feel good as an endurance athlete who trains daily. I need my wardrobe to fit the mold. Roan creates performance-driven clothing for your active lifestyle. Each piece is designed for versatility and made with integrity to outfit you for an active life lived on your own terms. The Roan promise is to help you move forever forward. Use code MILE40 for 20% off online and in-store for new customers only. Visit www.rhone.com, that's Rhone spelled R-H-O-N-E, or find your local store and move forever forward starting today. Now, I want to transition a little bit um, into some of the incredible work that you've been doing. Right. Your resume speaks for itself. And, you know, I mentioned just maybe three out of a hundred names uh, earlier on when I was going through your bio. And, you know, I don't want to ask you specifically or questions like, you know, what was your favorite project or, you know, what are you right. the most, pr- most proud of? Uh, but, you know, you said something that kind of caught my attention around, um, you know, a thousand people walking down the same sidewalk with a thousand different ideas, you know, in their mind. And when I think about, photography, I think about the fact that no two pictures are the same. And every picture has a different perspective behind it. Um, And you've probably worked with, you know, so many people over the years. Is there a specific experience where you found inspiration or a specific project where you were maybe working with someone who, um, you know, really kind of left you inspired uh with regards to how you approach your own work um look there's i i know and i want to answer this more focused but there have been so many i've worked with so many inspiring people that um that some obvious and some less obvious where there's always a takeaway from from it you know um we can keep it broad. You know, let's talk about some of the learning moments that you've had, um, you know, from an inspirational perspective around how you go about well, your day to day. Okay. So from a learning perspective, it's, we're in a business of the photography business is, 
and, and it is a business, you know, if you're, if you're a, going back to that art, artist yeah. question, if you're photographing for commercial reasons, you're a commercial photographer. So you, you, while your pictures are artistic, you, I feel like you're, you're a professional photographer. So it, it, therefore it is a business. Now, there are elements to this business that absolutely will stand you in good stead. And, and it is part of the communication process and having the ability to make people feel comfortable, uh, to feel, to feel relaxed, comfortable and enjoy the process that you're about to partake on, whether it be sort of a day's work or four hours work. But it's up to you as the sort of, uh, it's all collaborative work now, more, more and more so. But just to call you, you have to sort of assume the sort of pilot of of the the group and and make sure that everything uh, unfolds in a where everybody feels comfortable and the energy level is is uh, is good, you know, and positive, and everybody's on a on the same sort of comfort level and and enjoying the music, enjoying the engage people with jokes and and uh to just put them at ease you know and th- and then you're able to create an environment where people are 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 giving you know and and you're not just mate rolling it out so you can take 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 you know you're it's a it's a sort of uh you know you you create the space that's comfortable for people to to let let, let down their guard and and feel confident in your capabilities and and relaxed and and uh and and confident in what you're capable of and you show them what what you do and you're very transparent about that like i i nowadays we've got monitors running where people like look at them and they you know that they get an immediate gratification or know immediately that they're on the right path back in the day we were pulling polaroids and people oh yeah it's nice polaroid and that that's how the day is going to look you you get you get the lighting right you get them get the tone right you get the composition and the direction and the person's flattered by the by the image you're producing and but that's kind of how it how it works um but you but you have to put it out there you got to like there there are you you know you got to you got to use the 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 tools that i use are music humor and uh i'm always very inspired you know so and people can tell that do you uh miss the simplicity of what your field was 30 years ago when it was just the polaroids yeah definitely now yeah i i do in a way but it's there's a lot more sort of people at the party nowadays um but um it's uh th- that's fine too it, it's it, it's more of an exercise you know it's definitely more of an exercise and um uh, and uh, and it's good the, the 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 world the photo world has changed drastically and rapidly so quickly and is still changing you know that we can't even keep up with it now even with the sort of idea that ai is going to take all our jobs but going back to those two key component components um, ability and passion they're never going to be replaced you know those are age old factors that factor into everything in life you know and you can't take them away you're always going to have that that is 100% in your own control and people respect it 
and they like like I said, every sense of their being will experience it if you live it, act it, breathe it. They will feel it, you know. In your experience with other photographers, are the most distinguished photographers the ones who apply, you know, the humor, the relationship management, or is it an industry where uh, you've seen a lot of photographers, you know, become distinguished solely by their final product? And there's a lot of marketing in it. There's definitely, and this is like for all photographers out there and photo enthusiasts, there's definitely a lot of marketing in it. I, I think taking it back, there was a, a time when you could be purely um, uh, sort of no, become notable and famous within the business by producing incredible pictures. Unfortunately, now, just like anything, like being a fashion designer, like being a recording artist or you know, any, any form, any path in the fashion and design or and arts and entertainment world, you kind of need that marketing kick behind you. And there's a lot of people out there that have got great marketing are up there who don't necessarily have the same amount of talent as others, but their talent they made up for in other, di- in other sort of facets in, in, in other areas. And that outweighs it, you know, so it's just. It's yeah. You you definitely have to have a good idea of of the business and and, and the marketing and 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 client relationship, and client management. Absolutely, you have to have that. And it is, we call it the game within the game. You know, and uh, every game has a game within it. Yeah. You know, and that's that's just life, isn't it? I don't. We can't change that. You just got to play by the rules. <laughs> You know, I, I ask you this question uh, again because of your uh, your pedigree and and the work that you've done. Do you have alone time from the camera? Do you set? You know, I mean, aside from the camera on your phone, um, are you generally, you know, taking a camera with you everywhere that you go, or no, do, you, no, do you exercise so- separation from it? No, I don't exercise separation from it either. Just sometimes I am taking the camera and sometimes I'm not. And sometimes I'm not taking it and then I'm disappointed in myself, you know? So, and then, but it's never a prop. If I take it, I'm going to use it. You know, it's never, I, I don't use it. I, 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 if I take my camera, it has a purpose and, and the purpose is to, uh, to produce images uh, because it, it, it's never a, a side piece or a prop or part of an outfit, you know? Um, but having said that, uh, I have a Kodak bag that is a prop that I do take about. And it's sort of, when I arrive on set, it's kind of like, I've arrived, I'm a photographer and I oh. pop my Kodak bag down because it's important. Identity is important and showing that like where you you know like if someone walks in in a white long coat that's a doctor right with a stethoscope around it yeah and they may not be but time also helps distinguish yourself you know and if you're still in it because i do know a lot of guys that are in the business and do very well in a short amount of time but then don't stay in it and i don't know what they do afterwards because i have a lot of photographer friends you know and i i have a book on my shelf which is like the class of 95 or maybe it's 98 and and it has a lot of photographers and i'm one of them and a lot of the guys i'm like 
what happened to them? They had a mad career, you know, they're like yeah. great. And, uh, they were like my inspiration, you know, and, and, uh, I, uh, yeah, I did. What, what, where did they go? Uh, so it's, it, it's a, it, now it's a business that's constantly being refreshed. That's for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I just have an image of you, you know, sh- shooting until, you know, your oldest age. Uh, yeah, I want just, to be like that. And that, that's, I'm, I'm very thankful that you said that because that's my, that's my goal. That's the goal. Of course. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot can be learned uh, from your journey. And I think um, you, you, one of the things that really kind of stands out to me also is is your adaptability here uh, in the sense that, you know, you, move, you had three major moves in your lifetime from London to Australia to the United States. But then I look at um, your Rolodex and I look at the companies that you've worked for and, and the people that you've worked with. Um, and I see that um, you've worked across industries, um, you know, probably on an assortment of projects. I imagine... You know, any photographer would say that adaptability is key. You basically have to uh, adapt to your circumstances. And uh, I'm sure you've worked with a lot of demanding uh, stakeholders throughout your career. Anything that you can kind of touch on with regards to, um, you know, how you approach being adaptable? Was it, you know, what kind of was instilled with you at a younger age? Or uh, was it, you know, just kind of your, your mindset kicking in right away throughout your career? Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, this is a good, and that's a very sort of polite way of putting it, the adaptability, because you definitely, it is like, what, like going back on what I said before, where the, the business has changed so rapidly that it, it, you have to be adaptable. You have to constantly be changing, but you have to still keep your core and your signature work, you know, because you won't be respected if you don't do that. And, and if you just become, fashionable of the moment then you can expect to be of the moment you know so um they're going uh, just not to hit you over the head with it but just being passionate and capable absolutely now just managing your way through you know politeness and being a good what i call a good energy person that also goes a long way too because people respect that and they like that and they like they want to be around that so those sort of key components definitely will put you in an in a in a world where it's easy for you to be employed one because you're good at what you do two and two is also an equal one because you're passionate about what you do and three because you or three could now become two because you put out good energy on set and create a great environment that people enjoy they're working and getting things done, but they're enjoying being at work. And those, those sort of two and a half, three components are definitely a good ingredients to pack in your tool bag when you head out for a day's work, you know, because if you put out bad energy, but you take good pictures, they might look for someone else who can take good pictures and give good energy. If you're not passionate about what you do, but you're just, you're, you're ringing it in, you're getting the job done. You'll get the job done for a while until they find someone else to get the job done. You know, that you, you, those sort of things. And, and it's not a competition, but you should, you, you should go to work thinking 
and not to think negative because a lot of I am my own worst critic and so are a lot of other people. But you work under the premise that you're only as good as your worst photo, you know, so don't yeah. take a bad photo. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always that. be good. You know? <laughs> I, love, I love that. Uh, ben, this was so incredibly uh, heartwarming, heartwarming and, and just, you know, interesting to dive into. And, and so I want to say thank you. Before we kind of close things out, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, are there any particular mantras or, um, you know, with a previous guest, I even asked her if she had a book, you know, about herself, what would she name it? Is there anything in particular that, you know, you kind of um, live by or anything that kind of is, a, you know, uh, meaningful for you and, and allows you to go about your day with intention? I mean, no, I mean, I'm still here, you know, and that's it. I remind myself, you know, like things, things can go really well. Things can not seem to be moving along, but I'm still here. And who knows how much longer, but right now I'm still here. So that that's, and, and, and I've been doing it in a, for a while and you've reminded me of that today and I'm good with that, you know. So. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on board today. I mean, this episode is extremely insightful. It hit on all the important points. And, um, you know, as the host here, and I say this now to every guest, but I'm so incredibly proud that, you know, you came on to Mile 40 and you shared your narrative with the platform. So thank you so much for coming on board. All right. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. You got it. Have a good rest of the week. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 Podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.